0: I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma, So Good, a Fruits Basket reboot podcast. Here, we are talking about the third season of the Fruits Basket reboot. We try and keep it spoiler-free, but we're both manga readers, so we may mess up. I'll put timestamps down in the description if we do, along with content warnings. Honestly, there's, like, nothing in Fruits Basket left to spoil, really. (laughs) Um, But, you know, better, better safe than sorry. Yeah. Uh...
1: Holy shit, what an episode. Yeah, that episode made me insane. I I was going insane afterwards, after I watched it on Monday. Holy shit. It's
0: It was really good. But it was like, really good. I mean, I mean, there's like parts of it that I absolutely hated, but that's of not course. the episode's fault. It's like
1: It's Takaya's
0: fault. That's that's just Takaya's act three brain worms. Um Straight up. I don't even know what happens in Act 3. Like, I was, like, talking to Sophie, and we were going over our notes, and... Thank you, horns. Thank you, horns. Listeners, it's really hot out, and I don't have A.C., and my window's open, and you're all just gonna have to cope with the beautiful sounds of a college town in Massachusetts. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was... We were going over our notes, and, um... I was like, this anime-only scene, and so he was like, that wasn't anime-only, and I'm like, oh, right, Takaya was just insane, and I can't remember any of the shit she did, because not all of it made sense. Yeah. Um,
1: (laughs) Such is life. That's just Act 3. Like, I reread Act 3 in March, like, this past March, and I still don't remember what happened.
0: The fucking epic highs and lows of Act (laughs) 3...
1: Like, and this one has the highest of the highs and the s- lowest of the lows.
0: I know, I just, I felt so crazy. I was just like, because sometimes I was just like, I felt like my blood was on fire. I was like, this is so good. This is so cathartic and intense
1: and perfect. And then I, other times I was just like, what the fuck is this? Uh, but there are some really, there are some lows that are just so enhanced by the, by the yeah. end, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my gosh (laughs) um yeah but yeah it was good it was so good it was so good should we get into it yeah okay the cold open was so sexy yeah it really was i was i'm I'm glad that they didn't cut the monologue because i was saying last week that they adapted the that's my favorite manga panel is mm-hmm. when the monologue starts. But they adapted it last week, so I wasn't sure if they were going to keep it, but they did, and I liked that they chose to put it in the episode with the Yuki-Kiyo fight, because I think it's very yeah. pertinent to it that. It
0: really, really well with that. And I feel like it just... It makes more sense in conjunction with Yuki and Kyo's relationship than it does in conjunction with Toru's fall, I feel yeah. like. Oh, absolutely. So... Props to them. That
1: was a good move. Um. Um, I wanted to um, talk about the butterflies because there was a lot of butterflies this episode, and that's the opening shot of the episode. is a bunch of moths around like the light outside of Shigurei's porch. Um. So. So for, so I did some research. One in Japan, moths and butterflies aren't differentiated. It's the same word. So like when you're talking about moths, it can also be butterflies um just like symbolism wise so they symbolize like a bunch of things but i took note of like the the like most important like the the ones that were mentioned the most in my research and also the ones that seemed like most um applicable to fruits basket so the first one is eternity um the meaning of eternity is represented by the butterfly um due to a popular belief that um spirits of the dead take form of a butterfly on their journey to the afterworld or spirits of the dead are guided by butterflies. Um, womanhood, it um, represents um, transformations through which a girl passes on her way to becoming a young woman. Um, and love, it's a sign of good luck. And in love and finding your soulmate. So I thought all of those things were very applicable to this episode in particular. Um, and I understand why. There was so much butterfly imagery in this one. Yeah. yeah that was
0: fun and cool.
1: Um I didn't do any butterfly research. Uh <laughs> well Sophie like, did. And that's why there was she's... just there were so many and I was like this has to mean something. Yeah, no.
0: I was I was I was rereading Fruits Basket looking for tattoos ideas and I was like wow Takayo was really off her shits with the um flowers. And also I didn't realize like I think they're called Hanafuda cards. Um they're these, like, it's this, like, they're, like, art cards that me- that symbolize different, like, months and seasons, um, and they have different, like, nature imagery associated with each munch- munch- month and stuff, and there's a lot, they're referenced a lot in Fruits Basket, and, like, the kind of imagery, and they're associated. Oh. It's, like, the, the, do you remember the, um, like, the ending credits that had, like, all of the fruits, like, Kyo was in, like, the bamboo forest, mm. and those were all callbacks to those cards. That's so cool. Yeah. I can send you the
1: article I read, later like, okay. where someone went like, through each of those, um, Oh, but, that's sick. Yeah. Um, that's interesting, too, because there are a bunch of characters who have, like, nature or seasonal names. So, like, Yuki um. means snow, Haru means spring, Momiji is, like, um, the red fall leaves from yeah. maple trees. Um... I can't think of any more off the top of my head, but I'm certain that there is more.
0: Yeah, it makes sense, because, I I don't know, if Fruits Basket is all about, like, cycles and the way Mm. that she chose, like, the curse is all based off this, like, way of keeping track of time, and then these cards are also, like, a way of keeping track of time. It's all kind of, you know, tied together. Takaya? Takaya can be so smart, and also so dumb. She has such range.
1: She has like, I think that she's just like really, really good at symbolism. Yeah. Like it's like a really big strength of hers. She is off her shits with the symbolism. She really is. Anyway, so this monologue. <laughs> we got a little off track. Um, I really like this monologue. Like, like I said, like I feel like it's very pertinent to um the Yuki Kiyo fight and And I like that throughout the monologue it's like revealed piece by piece that Yuki is standing in Kyo's bedroom, his empty bedroom. I just like I I think that like there's a lot going on with Yuki and and his feelings about Kyo here and the realization that like like he is not just a victim of Kyo, but Kyo is a victim of him because he also up he upholded the same toxic family values that were inflicted on him towards Keogh, Um, yeah. And here he's kind of accepting his own complicity in this cycle and, like, finally getting to the point of realizing that, like, him and Keo like, have way more in common than they ever had um, in conflict. Yeah. No, I
0: loved... I loved that. I think that, like... The way they adapted it made it a lot more clear how much this monologue is about him, like, processing his relationship with Kyo. And how, like, I think watching Kyo's reaction to both Toru's accident and, like, the way he tried to push her away during the confession really made him, like, reevaluate the way he's treated Kyo. because he's like, oh, holy shit, like, the, like, he's, like, he sees, he saw how much pain Keo was in, and I think it forced him to, like, think about, like, what the root of that was and how he might have contributed. Um, yeah. And so, having this whole monologue, like, A, I thought he was just, like, pretty and very atmospheric, and also, like, the, like, it showed, like, such, like, an, how much of an absence that, like both toru and kyo leave in like shigure and yuki's life like it calls back to like back when yuki and shigure were the only two people living in the house and like how kind of like quiet and sad that was um and how even though and how obviously toru like really you know adds a lot of life to the house and also fucking maintains it but also how that like kyo's presence was i think also very much an important part of these extremely transformative three years that Yuki has had. Um, And he was very much, like, a part of his experience and a part of his home for the past three years and how, like, now Yuki is having to also grapple with that.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, like, a lot of the, like, stuff that Yuki kind of, like, managed to process about Kyo in season two was more about, like, himself and how Kyo made him feel. Um, which is why I like that, like, finally, like, he gets to the point where he's, like, how did, how did I make Kyo feel? Um, I, but again, like, I've said this before, like, it just seems very lopsided, because I don't think that Kyo gets nearly as, um, he doesn't have, like, the same epiphany that Yuki does. Like, I think, like, in this episode, like, Kyo does finally realize that, like, Yuki is also just another person, but, like, it's not, like, done With the delicacy that I think, like, Yuki's is towards Kyo. Yuki's been, like, slowly, like, working it
0: apart piece by piece, and Kyo's just been so busy with (laughs) other stuff that, like, I think his relationship with Yuki, like, it it just was not anything in his life that nearly had the urgency as any of the other things going on, so it was just like, okay, like, me and Yuki have a bad relationship, and now we're nicer to each other. Whatever. This is the least of my fucking concerns. Um, well I actually think it got shafted
1: yeah like because um, like so much of his arc focuses on Toru that I kind of do feel like a lot of his other relationships ended up getting shafted writing wise
0: yeah that's fair yeah I think first basket
1: should have been longer That that's just <laughs> what it comes down to is it just should have been longer
0: yeah yeah I think like it makes sense to some degree that he kind of realizes it Suddenly, and mm-hmm. also without really processing it, like he, like he's, he's the one who, like, whatever. I think admits it first. Well, like in the fight, and then Yuki fucking loses it. But, um, <laughs> but I don't think Kyo is like thinking or really knows what that means to him or Yuki at all in the way that yeah. Yuki does, which is why Yuki
1: fucking s- loses it. Yeah. But um, I guess Yuki is also like a little bit more thoughtful than Kyo. Just, yeah. like, about his own, like, interiority. Kyo is just, like... Like, as much as
0: I wish, as I really, really wish that Yuki and Kyo had more focus in literally any other season than just season one. Uh-huh. Um, or act or whatever. I also do understand that Kyo was, like too busy not wanting to get locked in a cage but also <laughs> wanting to get locked in a cage because he was suicidal to really yeah. be like you <laughs> know what let's, you know what i should do reflect because i'm a super reflective person <laughs> reflect on my relationship with yuki he was just like just absolutely going through it so yeah true yeah. true true um, um, that, that's all i had to say about
1: the photo, Ben. yeah it was just it was that pretty- atmospheric.
0: I like that monologue a lot. Takaya's- that's
1: one of Takaya's good monologues. It's so good. It's really nice. Um, and then we get Chaos Trio! I fucking love them. I love the student (gasps) council. Um, Yuki Kakuru Writes, apparently? Thank you. Dude, literally, it's so- Okay, first of all, before I get to that, the red-headed hottie. I know!
0: Oh, that's what I meant to say, uh, Kakaru Kiyo, right? It's redhead and oh. Like,
1: <laughs> ob- obsessed with that. Um, like, I was so sad because they cut, there was a line, like, in Act 2 where he calls Kiyoha, and I was like, oh, they cut it, homophobia, no, <laughs> they gave it to me, they, <laughs> they, they added a line. Because what he actually says here in this scene in the manga is, do you want to cry into my bosom? Oh, <laughs> we did lose that, wow trade-offs trade-off yukuru and kyokuru (laughs) yeah
0: do you want to cry into my bosom was is so good i do think about that constantly um wow but also really funny that he's like where's the red-headed hottie and yuki is just like um i don't fucking know um this scene was so fucking funny it was Um, so funny. I just, like, I mean, Ibata's really good at, like, pacing comedy, um, and so it was just, like, I loved all the, um, like, Kimi being, like, so, like, what's the deal with you and Toru? And Kakarou, no hesitation, being, like, oh, she's his mommy, (laughs) and he's like,
1: what the fuck, man? I told you that in confidence, are you fucking kidding me? It's so... Fucking funny. But it's so- funny because like Kakiru knows kakiru like knows what Kimmy's reaction was gonna be, and that's when she she's like, shut up, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> But his yukiest reaction was so cute. So he's, he's just so like- he's just like, I actually like I really like that he's still so embarrassed about it, but like in a in like a cutesy way, like yeah. I feel like he's like come very far, but he's still a very private person, and I think he's like Still a little blind to how people actually perceive him, but, like, it's not as, like, dire as it used to be. No. He's like, oh, God. Like, but it's, you know. Yeah. Uh... Oh, that's what I was going to say. I remember what I was going to say. That I think it's pretty funny that they, in the beginning of this episode, call back to the fact that Yuki and Kakeru are very close and confide in one another kind of a strange choice but okay <laughs> okay um <laughs> so fucking good and funny though yeah. just the antics
0: yeah um,
1: um i really like that kakeru like makes light of it um because like i think that like i mean like yuki's embarrassed and like it's a little insensitive um, but I also think that, like, talking about Yugi's feelings and referencing times where he's been vulnerable with Kakeru kind of, like, normalizes the whole thing. Like, it's not, like, like, they're vulnerable conversations, like, they're not, like, a shameful anomaly that they can, like, never speak of again. But they're an integral part of their friendship, and it's something that helps them understand each other better. So, like, I really like that he, like, brings it up again in a way where it's, like, kind of not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was nice. This, it's cute. I also love that, she, like, was like, it's
0: like, it's like, you know, she took care of him when Yuki was as weak as a baby deer, and Kimmy's like, so she's his girlfriend? He's like, I just
1: told you, she's mommy. <laughs> what do you understand about her being mommy? Yeah, he's like- And say, Maji, Maji, is like side-eyeing the fuck out of all three of them. She's like, yeah!
0: <laughs> like, What? i also love that kakaru is like um your girlfriend clearly isn't your mom what are you saying (laughs) like obviously
1: mom and girlfriend are incompatible kimmy um it's so funny rip i feel like we're not gonna get kimmy's backstory rip (laughs) rest in kimmy has a backstory (laughs) (laughs) i forgot i forgot but her tragedy i'm just gonna say it because i don't think we're gonna get it um, her tragedy is that she's a child of divorce. <laughs> oh
0: my god. And like, that's it. <laughs> Just normal people problems. Yeah. Just genuinely normal shit.
1: Um. Uh, so funny. <laughs> Kimmy has god. a backstory.
0: I, I don't I literally did not remember a single thing about it. You're telling me this, like it's fully new information I've never <laughs> interacted with ever. Like, it wasn't even like you said it and I remembered. No. Like, <laughs> there was nothing there.
1: It, like, um, doesn't matter. <laughs> so they mentioned that, um, that Kyo ran away. Yeah. Um, so, for people who don't read the manga, this is actually a change. This does not happen in the manga, and wow. It's so much better than what happens in the manga. I like it so much more because what happens in the manga is that Kyo doesn't, so in the anime, right? They're saying the reason that Kyo didn't go see Toru is in the hospital is because he ran away from home. In the manga, the reason he doesn't go see Toru is because every time he tries, Hana and Uo stop him, which infuriates me. I've always hated it. It's so obvious that it's only there to pad out time so that takaya could make yuchi make sense yeah so by changing it yuchi makes even less sense which like like i fucking care <laughs> and um i also just think that like him running away from home i think really highlights the aspect of kyo's the of kyo's arc about non-linear progress that like kyo has historically had issues with avoidance and withdrawal and he feels just very at a loss at this situation and so he leans back into those old habits um but because like he's progressed so much as a character um over the past like couple of years he's able to like take himself out of it like a lot faster like he like now has the tools to be able to help himself out of that it also helps i
0: think like give the Yuki and Kyo fight like more build up. In oh, sense absolutely! That, like like kyo has been missing for several days, so Yuki is like, "You have to get your fucking shit together."
1: Yeah, uh, I went back and looked at the manga, and the reason that they fight in the manga is because Keo doesn't go with Yuki to the hospital like the night that they take her. Mm. But in this case, it's been days, so like yeah. I definitely feel like you like the level of Yuki's anger like is a lot more justified. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, really good change. Thank you, reboot, for this. Yeah,
1: very strange that they made a change for the better. Every now
0: and then, I guess they really, they
1: really do something smart. I do also wonder, like, cause like Takaya is a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like I wonder, like, if Takaya was like change it, it sucks. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because, like, it it just feels like it's so much more, like, it justifies so many more things and it addresses, like, so many more, like, aspects of people's, of, like, different people's arcs that, like, I kind of feel like Takaya was involved in this decision.
0: Yeah, that would not shock me. Yeah, it was a great change. Um, And it also just makes, like... Like, I feel like it also makes, like, Hana and Uo's, like, interactions with Kyo a lot more, like, reasonable and normal and, like, they're behaving, like, themselves instead of, like, who even knows.
1: God, that shit pissed me off so bad. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know what's really gonna solve this problem? By, By enabling Toru's avoidance of Kyo. Yeah. That's really gonna help. Thanks, guys. But they didn't do it in the anime, so they're all good.
0: Instead, well, what we do get is this scene I fully thought wasn't in the manga, but apparently it was. It is. Which is this interaction between Akito and Hana and Uo, which I don't even, I don't
1: understand it. It makes no sense. <laughs> it, it makes just... no sense. <laughs> it,
0: I, its It's just like, they're like, oh, this is the person that was there when Toru fell, and Toru, like, apparently gives them a one-minute synopsis of what happened, which is, I presume, like, we got into an argument, and we were, like, outside, and the cliff fell from under me. That's, I'm assuming, what happened. And, like, Akito didn't push me, the cliff, like, there was an avalanche yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And then the only other information Akito gives, and then Akito's like, it was my fault. Also, I stabbed Karenno.
1: <laughs> also, I abused Karenno too. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> also, I abused and stabbed Kareno, to which Hana is like, you're a woman, aren't you? And Akito- <laughs> Akito's
1: just like... <laughs> Dude, Akito looks like they want to fucking die. And yeah. they do in the manga, too. <laughs> that, uh, the way that Hana clocks Akito is so aggro yeah and the only reason like okay i have my theory which is that akito does not pass outside of the estate but i also think that like the reason that hana is able to clock akito so confidently is because of heteronormativity she's like she's like oh so this is the person corona was staying for it must be his girlfriend yeah which is fucking ridiculous
0: it's just it's
1: it's a bad time Um. i was like trying to figure out like why akito even like told like like just yeah, offers up this information to them. I thought maybe, like, okay, here are my theories, that they were, like, trying to punish themselves by robbing themselves of a first impression or, like, manifesting their fear of rejection again, but this time as, like, a form of self-harm. Um, honestly, I don't... Those are my theories. I truly cannot imagine why Akito would do this, though. Akito's,
0: like, fucking in their
1: uh repentance era um, <laughs> the repentance era they're complete fucking strangers
0: yeah i don't fucking know and also then- akito
1: did very much um slash their friend too because akito slashed toru yeah. that's why she has bandages on her arm yeah <laughs> like akito did hurt toru they just didn't push her
0: and then and then
1: Uo was like I'm gonna give you a hug. was insane Dude. for this. What? Dude, Uhoa, you could have died. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, oh, Akito's like, yeah, I stabbed Kuro now. So U was like, you need a hug, man. Like <laughs> What is happening? It just it's like, like I I get like Sakaya is going for the like everyone deserves a second chance, but also like what sane human would do this? It does not work.
0: Like, like Momichi and Akito's interaction was like Kind of weird, but made sense for both of their characters, I feel like. Like, why Akito opened up to Momiji is, like, a little weird, but it's like, I feel like, you know, I'd buy it. And Momiji is very much himself, through that whole interaction. That's all Momiji. It makes total sense that Momiji would be someone that would, like, give Akito a second chance despite everything, because that's kind of, like, how Momiji is, why Uo was like you just slashed my friend and stabbed my boyfriend. <laughs> my my boyfriend. My my boyfriend. You stabbed this guy I met
1: twice. <laughs> this guy I met twice. You know what? You need you need a little hug. Uh, oh my god! I just feel like Uo just does whatever Takaya wants her to do with no actual like like motivation or justification behind it, other than Takaya wants her to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Akito's like, "I heard about you and Kurano. What did you hear? That they had one awkward lunch date? Is that what you heard?" And so okay. you're just relinquishing Kurano to Uotani? What the fuck? Totally like am understand. I really supposed to believe? Am I really supposed to believe? I god. I haven't gotten this heated over Uo <laughs> Kurano for so long because it's like so it's just bad. like it's just so bad. It's so bad. And it's, yeah, and so like then this like scene ends, right?
0: We have this insane like <laughs> And then, like, Uo goes to visit Kareno. And it's, like, it makes me insane. Because she, like, almost has it. She, like, almost has it. She's, like, oh, wow. Like, I barely actually know this guy. And, like, he doesn't know me. Like, I've been, like, you know, like, really romanticizing this, like, one interaction. Like, these two interactions we had. And I've really built up this person. And, like, I'm really just a blip. We're really just blips in each other's lives. And I'm, like oh, like, you get it? You're getting it? And then she, like, goes in, they have this little conversation, and then she's like, I'll follow you anywhere. And I'm like, no! You got so
1: close! When Kurono says, I don't deserve you, no, you do not, sir! You don't! You don't! <laughs> you were right, you don't deserve her. I can't believe. So fucking.
0: Oh, it just makes and, and, no and fucking also, sense. Also, that Kurono was like, I need to do, and, she, like, Uo was like, the person you stayed for is, like, Akita, right? And Kurono's like, yeah... And I need to do one last thing for her. I need to like get out of her. And so it like, "Wow, still prioritizing Akito's feelings above all else." I'll follow you anywhere, and I'm
1: like, "No!" Like, no! What like he literally you? He just demonstrated that he has no spine. He has no yeah. fucking spine. That's what you want, Uotani. Oh my god. Okay, there's also a butterfly in this scene. Yeah. Um, which I thought. Well, at first, before I did the research on um. The symbolism of butterflies. I thought that it was maybe a reference to Kyoko and Katsuya, which I think like whatever. They're not going to adapt it. But Uotani and, and Kurano are meant to be a parallel to Kurano, to Kyoko and Katsuya, and obviously butterflies are associated with um, Kyoko. So mm-hmm. I thought that it was um, a reference to them. I also now think that like it's um, representative of um, the love aspect. Of the butterfly and also the womanhood that, like Uotani, is like becoming a woman in a way that I absolutely fucking despise. But I think that is probably why it's there.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, like if the reboot was gonna cut Kyoko and Katsuya, cut them too. Come on, <laughs> I don't want to deal with this. I know we've already technically. I know it was too late to really cut them, but holy shit, it's just so. It makes me so mad. It's so bad. It's
1: so bad.
0: I can't wait for them to get, like, engaged way too early and for Uo to then break off the engagement and just disappear in the night. I love that for her. Yeah. Uo, hysterical breakdown era. When? (laughs) Necessary. Necessary, because she needs to not get and decide that some guy she barely knows is her fucking soulmate, Uo. Holy shit. She's like, this guy reminds me of Toru. I'm in love with him, girl. No, girl. <laughs> um,
1: I do. I also feel like this, like, like Kurono is in the hospital because he got stabbed by his girlfriend, who is like a psychotic family head. You know nothing about this man. Clearly, his life is way too complicated. Like, it, you really want to get involved with something like this? Like, you have no idea what's going on in this guy's life. But yeah, it sucks ass. It sucks. And it's like, you know, there were two things in this episode that really sucked, but, like, this one wasn't funny. The other one was very funny to me. (laughs) This one just made me mad. Yeah! God, what a waste of two characters. Really? Ah! They had so much potential.
0: And instead you just... I don't even know. You did them. You did the. You did a bad job with them.
1: Uh, fruits basket AU where everything's the same except that Uotani's parallel to Kyoko is that she gets pregnant in high school and then she goes and gets an abortion. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. It that would be really fucking crazy. This is my femi- my actually feminist fruits basket script doctor. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Shall we move on from this yeah. rage-inducing bullshit yeah. to... We love a good 1-1 parallel of Yuki and Shigurei walking through the forest.
0: Yeah. I loved
1: it. It was nice. I liked it.
0: <laughs> Shigurei saying adulting fucking sent me.
1: Shigurei geriatric millennial. <laughs> he literally is. So the true. Reboot. He would say adulting. <laughs> he would.
0: Wow. So funny. And... <laughs> yuki being like we're not making toro cook for us i know he's
1: such an asshole i love him i love him so much but he really is such an asshole he's such a man (laughs) he is he's such a man yeah i love um i love shigure's character trait that he always forgets to lock the door i know that wasn't the case this time but that is a character trait of his
0: yeah
1: (laughs) power just there (laughs) No, okay. I I actually went and checked the dub because I didn't understand the first sex joke, um, and it didn't really make that much more sense in the dub either. I think that the because Yuki's like don't be crass, and I was like, what? I I think that the joke was the sliding between, like I think yeah. that was the joke. Which I think, think the is maybe joke like- is ambiguously that
0: Day is like slutty or whatever, or, or the house is in some way slutty. Yeah, no,
1: I no, like, I think, it has- basically I think it's basically calling the house easy. Oh, is that what it is? I feel like it's one of those things where, like, the humor is so Japanese that it's too subtle for me to understand. He's like, I, like, he called it an easy conquest, and he's like, meh. No, he calls it an easy conquest, and then he says... Um, I could just slide right in, and that's yeah. when Yuki hits him. So that's why I think that it was <laughs> – that's yeah. so gross, Haru. <laughs> He's horny in the scene. <laughs> he, he really is.
0: <laughs> He's like, I'm going to talk about how your house is slutty and also my girlfriend's tits. And then... Literally,
1: I was screaming. I was so glad they included the thing about Rin's boobs. I think it's so funny. Like, There's so few times where we see them being like – just really regular teenagers and Haru telling Yuki that Rin's boobs got bigger is just the most teenage thing ever. Yuki's yeah. such a little prude. He's like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> it's like, sh- yeah.
0: Yuki's so prissy.
1: I fucking love he's, him. It's because he's gay. Yeah. Because you know what the response to that should have been? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what oh, I would have no. said anyway. <laughs> But yeah. I like women. <laughs> yeah, no. I
0: <laughs> I just I love the line where Yuki's like, are you trying to brag? Sexually harass me? Or what well, it was three things. Yeah. Like
1: brag I don't I can't remember what the third thing was either. What the fuck? What was it? I don't fucking know. This is really bothering me. Do you want me to get my manga? Yeah, I'm dying. Yeah?
0: I'm, this is literally, this is gonna fucking haunt me. This is great podcasting, everyone.
1: Okay, the mega translation is, are you trying to add some levity to the situation? Or are you proud, or is it sexual harassment?
0: So he's like, are you trying to brag, like... Or, like, like, be funny. Be fun, like, yeah. Um, Lighten the mood. He's like, are you trying to lighten the mood, brag, or sexually harass me? And then I love just, like, the beat of hard thinking, and then being like... All three?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so good. I, I, I also love, love like, Yuki's such a prude that he considers Haru saying that Rin's boobs got bigger sexual harassment towards Yuki. Yeah. Buddy, that's not what sexual harassment is. Sexual harassment is when he grabs
0: your nips. Yes!
1: <laughs> <laughs> but Yuki doesn't really mind that. Hmm. hmm. <laughs>
0: Uh, I was rereading bits of the first, like, Haru episode in the manga, and he wakes up, and Haru's like, oh, I was just telling Toru about how I'm in love with you, and
1: Yuki's like, stop being a freak! it's so funny. And he says it in that exact tone of voice. Yeah! It's
0: so fucking good. I'm, like, just dropping shit. (laughs) Anyway.
1: The energy of today's podcast. Uh um yeah <laughs> okay so i took note of a line so they're really like, talking about oh because they hear something from upstairs and they're mm-hmm. like oh i guess kyo is back and yuki says um like whatever they're like oh fuck he like ran away and i think haru says something like he didn't see honda in the hospital mm-hmm. and yuki says he has his own pain and his own reasons which is extremely sympathetic yeah no very sympathetic
0: My note on this scene was: I love Yuki acknowledging Kyo's
1: pain and then being like, "But I still have to beat his ass." (laughs) No, I know I love it because he's like, he like, I think like, he can see how much Kyo loves Toru and how happy she makes him, Um, and and again that. Like, he has realized finally that, like himself, Kyo is a victim of brainwashing and cult mentality and abuse, but also, like, Toru becoming first. Toru always comes first, as she should!
0: Yuki gay best friend era! He's like, you broke my best friend's heart, and I have to fucking throw down! (laughs) Oh.
1: He's such an icon for this. I love him. I love this scene. I think it's... Uh, And I just think, like, it's such a good subversion of the, like, love triangle. Where, like, instead of them fighting over their girl, like, they're still fighting over their girl, so to speak. But it's because, like, Yuki just loves her so much in a platonic way that he's like, You are making her miserable, and I need you to fucking apologize to her. Like, it's not, like... Like, it is sort of about him, but it's, like, mostly about, like his relation to toru
0: yeah it's i mean it's all on toru's behalf it's like he's like i want he's like you make me fucking insane kyo you are <laughs> and you've just went a huge dick but it's not like oh you don't deserve toru it's right.
1: like you need to get your fucking act together so you stop making her miserable and um, yeah no i like that he never says like you don't deserve toru because it's like honestly it could be something that yuki could have said but like i think like yuki knows that like that is not his call to make and also like he has been watching them for years and it doesn't matter if he thinks that kyo deserves toru toru thinks that she deserves kyo yuki has
0: been like really consistently through all of fruits basket always very much respects toru's choices and stuff yeah like that's like something that gets brought up several times i think kakaru says something to him about like oh like what if toru like dated some other guy or whatever and yuki's like that's not my business. That's up to Toru. Um, which I think is, like, really refreshing and also just, like, really, like, demonstrates, like, the real, like the nature of their relationship. Like, mm-hmm. Yuki does not feel like he has any, like, possession of Toru. Like, they're just, like, really good friends. Um, <laughs> you know? It's
1: good. I love yeah. that. They. Um, yeah, so he goes upstairs. He's like, I'm gonna go beat down he goes upstairs and just the second he opens his mouth his voice his voice is very low it's sort of like it does call back to the like masculine bravado that he used to perform when they fought in season one but in season one when he would do that it came out very cold and like holier than thou and like the delivery just like right off the bat in this scene is like he's really not holding back the fact that he he is very upset yeah. um also shimazaki egot when he absolutely destroyed the scene i watched it so many times he fucking blew out his
0: voice i like know a fucking legend no he did such a good job i amazing. mean uchida and Shimizaki just like
1: killed this whole scene
0: I like know. they uchida they killed the scene but it. he
1: didn't say that much so no he had a lot a way fewer lines yeah but, um yeah. But, like, I just, like, love the, like, escalation that Shimazaki took Yuki through through the past three seasons and how, like, I think, like, Yuki consistently when he yells, because Yuki doesn't yell all that much, right? It's, like, pretty notable when he does. Um, When he yells, it does still sound like the voice of someone who is not used to raising their voice. Um, Mm -hmm. And also a lot of the times, like, it sounds very painful because, like, I think that, like, Yuki has to be pushed to a really emotional place to lose control like this um but I think there's just like something about like the this monologue in particular both like the writing and the delivery that comes off very like unself-conscious. like he like is beyond caring yeah and it's and it's like all like just like catharsis This is Yuki losing
0: control. Like, yeah, Like, he's such a tightly controlled little guy, and, like, even as we see him, like, open up and learn how to, like, relax and stuff, like, he's still never really had, like, an emotional outburst like this before. Like, um, ever. And, like, because usually his his response to stress has always been to shut down, and now that he's, like, grown and changed so much, he no longer shuts down when he's extremely obsessed the same way, and is instead able to like externalize it instead of internalizing everything mm-hmm.
1: um yeah so wow <sighs> um i took a note of, of a Keo line um he says it'd be better if you were with her yeah which i like that they address like again that trope um except that like it's not based in reality. Like, yeah. Kyo is still projecting this image of perfection onto Yuki. And it's like, he's not saying it because he thinks it'll make togru happy. Um, and also, like, Kyo fully knows that, like, that would never happen. Like, he understands that Kyo, that Yuki and Toru's relationship is, like, completely platonic. Um, but. It's because like he still deep down believes that Yuki is perfect and inherently better for him and more deserving of Taru's love than he is.
0: Yeah. No, it's great. And and it's like this whole like first like the first part of the fight, because there's like kind of different like mm. beats, you know, like every now and like something will someone will say something and it will change the momentum of the fight and like the direction it's going in. So like the first bit is all Yuki being like, I'm going to be an asshole to point out how much your own self-hatred is making you fucking delusional. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, like, you think you suck so bad? Like, what do you think you're supposed to be able to do? Like, you think you're some kind of Superman? Like, what the fuck? Um,
1: No, I really like that he, like, calls him out on, like, the magical thinking.
0: Yeah, he's like, like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, it's both... He's like, your self-hatred is assigning, like, an unrealistic, like, self-importance to yourself. Like... It's making you... Because I think that, like, self-loathing can make you just as, like, self-absorbed as, like, be thinking you're really great, you know? And so I think Yuki is like, you need to, like, stop being so focused on how much you hate yourself so you can, like, think about others and, like, how your actions are impacting the people around you and, like, have just, like, a more realistic expectation of, like, what others actually expect of you as a person, and what people are actually going to judge you for, instead of holding yourself to this like completely delusional standard of like how you're supposed to be able to protect people, and how when bad things happen, they're not all automatically your fault. Um, yeah,
1: I also think big agree, and I also think that like Yuki can empathize with Kyo's belief that he's undeserving of love and that his existence causes nothing but pain and he knows that sorry. <laughs> and he um but the thing is is that like like yuki can empathize with it but he also knows that he it's not true because he spends so much time with Kyo, and and knows that like even though like he doesn't like Kyo, that there are people who love him yeah like he knows
0: He's lived with Kyo for three years. He knows Kyo as a person. He knows that, like, yeah, obviously they don't get along, but, like, Kyo's a good dude, you know? Like, no one can, like, watch Kyo for three years and come away thinking that this is someone, like, who's evil and brings nothing but, like, grief to the people around him. Like, obviously Kyo has caused problems. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, he's clearly someone... That has formed very meaningful relationships with the people around him and who is like a good guy that looks out for the people he cares about. Um, yeah.
1: so and then Haru orders his nugs. I'm so glad oh, they included the nugs. No, 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 no. the nugs. Oh, sorry, it's it's we get we get Shigure going, This is why I didn't want boys, <laughs> which is Shigure. so funny. So funny. He's so um, funny. He's so sad. I mean. I, I, I do feel bad for him that his house keeps getting destroyed, though, because, yeah. man, is it a hassle to get the maintenance guy over? <laughs> I wonder if they're friends. The ma- him and the maintenance guy? <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and Haru's just like, can I order pizza? <laughs> like, <laughs> They're so funny. They're like, oh, another so day of the It's so funny Asoma. that, like, Shigure and Haru are just, like, there for this scene.
1: I love that Shigure and Haru are buds yeah they're like, like friends they like hang out without other people like all the time it it's seems. so
0: weird and funny um
1: it's because they just have like such like good like complimentary senses of humor they really do haru's like this guy's kind of a dick
0: but he is funny and we do vibe <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. oh i wanted to say um i really love that they a discretion shot away from the violence Um, because they've had such a bad track record with violence that I was living in fear of this scene, and so I like that they decided to instead centerpiece the voice acting over everything else, which was, like, definitely, like, the best decision to, like, trust Shimazaki to be able to carry the scene on his own. I also think that them cutting away from the violence supports my theory that they're having financial issues. Yeah!
0: Oh yeah sorry guys um i forget what studio animates fruits basket tms tms i hope you guys are doing okay hope this was like this is some pandemic issues or something maybe
1: um who knows knows? um but yeah, so he, like, like throws him into the hallway. Yuki's going absolutely yeah. wild on Kyo. He, like, <laughs> throws him into the hallway. He, like, throws him down on the floor. I really like that they kept the blocking from the manga because it looks, yeah. like, real. I'm not a martial artist, but it looks real. You know what I mean? Like, it looks really mm-hmm. realistic.
0: Yeah. And at, at the very least, like, feels right. Yeah. Like, um, which I think is more important than, like... Anything else is if like the violence is like tonally appropriate and like feels, feels right, and it's
1: very like grounded in reality,
0: yeah. It's not fucking
1: there, Toru goes sailing through the air, fucking Ren and Akito. Oh my god, it made me so mad. Um, <sighs> but it's so like, like I really love when he like he like really fucking snaps and oh, yeah. he's just like going wild on Keo, and like I think it's just really indicative that like Yugi is. Holding in just, like, so much hurt and pain that was inflicted on him by Kyo, mixed with the shame and the self-loathing of his aspirational attraction towards him, like, while that was still happening. Um, and so that's why, like, oh, that's the reason he goes apeshit, is because Kyo is like, I want it to be you. Like, I want yeah. to be like you. And Yuki is just, like... It's just too much, and I think he realizes here just, like, how bad both of them fucked up by enabling their rivalry and using each other as, like, emotional and physical punching bags instead of finding solace um, in in, in one another's common pain. Like, yeah, th- yeah, that it's, comment, like, fucked him up.
0: It really, because it's, it's, it's something that Kyo says, like, impulsively without thinking, right? right? And it's something that Yuki has been for, like, almost years at this point, been trying to articulate to himself and find a way to express. And the fact that Kyo is just able to, like, blurt it out without thinking is, like, A, part of, like something that Yuki really admires Kyo for and has always been jealous of which adds just fuel to the fire of yeah like you, everything you said so true so true Sophie um,
1: and so it <laughs> is that like, aspirational attraction like that's like oh, oh man and just like yeah the idea that
0: like like Kyo has been right there the whole time and like Kyo is could have been Like, they didn't have to be alone for as long as they were alone. And the idea that, like, it's this, like, missed opportunity for a relationship that could have been so life-changing to both of them, and instead, because through a combination of, like, the environment they were in and, like, external pressures point, like, pointing them in this direction of hatred at each other, and also just, like, them themselves grasping onto that as a coping mechanism, and just, like fuck, just, like, being awful to each other, um, and really perpetuating this, like, system that they've both realized has, like, really done so much harm to themselves and the people they've cared about, and the fact that they were inflicting this on each other when they didn't have to, um, it's just brutal. And yeah, and Yuki is just, like, screaming, like, Shimazaki fucking brought it, and I love that he's just like crying through this whole interaction. Oh,
1: he's 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 actually crying. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Like Yuki at this point just starts crying and does not stop.
1: Yeah, you can and you can like hear like the the tears like in Shimazaki's voice. Like I like he probably was actually crying in the booth. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I love. I mean, the acting was just so good. So good. I love that Yuki is, yeah, just fucking, like, screaming and crying through this whole... Like, as soon as that happens, Yuki is just, like, any amount of restraint he had before. Like, before he was like, alright, I'm on a mission. I'm gonna make Kyo wise up. And now he's like, oh shit. Like, he's, like, he's lost the plot. He's just screaming. (laughs) Um, It's so good. It feels so good to watch and, like, so cathartic. It's so Um.
1: cathartic. Yeah. I really like, yeah, so he, like, kind of, like, gets a hold of himself for a second and, like, pulls himself off Keo. and um, I really like the detail that his hands are shaking. Like, he's so emotional that his hands are shaking, and he says, we have to accept ourselves and face ourselves. Yeah. I just, like, love that line, because, like, Yuki has worked really, really hard um, to accept himself and his experiences that made him into who he is, Um, and also, like, he knows that, like, self-acceptance is something that Kyo really struggles with, like, and he can empathize with that, like, very, very intimately. Yeah. It's,
0: it's like, I I mean, I also, I love that as soon as Yuki admits, like, that he was jealous of Kyo too, that Kyo's facial expression... Just, like, completely... He's just, like, stunned. He's, like... Yeah. Like, any amount of, like, anger or, like, posturing is gone. Like, Kyo is just, like... Doesn't even know what's happening. Like, Kyo is flabbergasted. He's just, like, having... He's, he's basically, like, completely, like, um...
1: Can I offer a word? Yes. Recontextualize? No. Okay.
0: Whatever. But... Yeah, I mean, it does, like, it recontextualizes, like, their entire relationship for him. Right. And, yeah, he's just completely shocked, um, and stunned. He's, like, he's stunned silent at this point. I also, I like the detail that Yuki, uh, that Kyo catches Yuki Yuki's punch, because mm. he's never been able to do that before. Like, Yuki always lands all his hits, so, like, the fact that Kyo is able to do that in this moment. Nice. Nice. Um, And then, yeah, like, at this point, like, Yuki finally gets that out, and, like, the actual fighting basically drops.
1: Yeah. Like, Yuki
0: gets, like, Yuki pulls away, and he stands up, and he gives that line.
1: Yeah. um, And he, like, yeah, I really like he, like, holds his own hand, because it's shaking, and then he turns around, and he kicks his own door (laughs) down. But I like that, like, I like, you know, he's just so done with, like, holding shit in, and I also think that he's just, like, really sick of not having, like, autonomy over his body. And I think that's why he does those two things in sequence.
0: And I think it's also part of it is, like, this is him being, like, yeah, because, like you said, this is, like, something he can really empathize with, like, Kyo's struggle to accept himself. And so, and he's also having this moment of, like, I shouldn't have been so cruel to him, right? And so this is him being, like, even, like, as I'm doing this and as I'm having this, like, physical fight with Kyo, he's realizing that he can't use Kyo as a punching bag anymore. And he has to pull back, and he kicks the door instead! Um, so this is him being like, I have to be done with this. Like, even though I'm so worked up, and even though I am so fucking
1: mad at him, like, this has to stop. So true. He starts giving this spiel on how Kyo did protect Tōru. Um, if anyone has an objective view of Kyo and Toru's relationship, it's Yuki because yeah. of how much Yuki loves Toru and how much he does not love Kyo. But like, you know what I mean? It's like he can set aside their baggage and his disdain for Kyo because he's so invested in Toru's happiness. And, um, and, and it's very plain to see that Kyo is a really big source of her happiness. Um, And so when he's talking about like, you did protect her, like, There are things that only you can do. Um, Kind of, you know, it it circles back to the hat thing, right? Where, like, Yuki's... He he has this desire to make a unique and positive difference in the world. um, And that allows him to empathize with Kyo's feelings of uselessness. Um, and, and And Yuki can see that, like, Kyo has a very unique impact on the world, especially Toru. Even if Kyo isn't aware of that, and I think that that pisses him off. <laughs> I mean, not that I think it pisses off. It does piss him off.
0: <laughs> yeah, I also think part of the reason he's angry is Kyo is like Kyo saying that he only, whatever he can't protect Toru. Is he's like, like he says like the line like does, does like happiness happiness mean so little to you? He's like I feel like. The, the way he sees it is, like, Kyo's attitude towards this is devaluing Toru's happiness. And, like, he's... And Yuki has obviously such a high value for Toru's happiness. And he's like, if you... You can't disregard that. Like, you have to value her happiness enough to recognize that even if you whatever can't stop her from falling off a cliff, like, even if bad things happen to her... Basically, he's saying... Let's rephrase this. He's saying that you have to admit... That there's only, that random bad shit just happens and you're not in control of it and you have to kind of surrender to the fact that the people you love might just, bad shit might just happen to it and it isn't going to be your fault and instead you need to focus on the fact that, like, you are important to people and you
1: refusing to recognize that importance hurts them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So true. Okay, so this is like we're getting like to the end of the monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a Japanese language note. So Yuki says, "Me, the guy you admire, just gave you a pep talk." Mm-hmm. But he says "ore sama," which, if you remember, <laughs> is what he calls himself at the beach house when he is threatening Kyo over Toru's happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Difference is that at the beach house, it's insanely cringy. <laughs> and everyone around him—it's it, so cringy to watch, and everyone around him is like cringy, except for Haru, who's like, "Yuki, you're so cool." <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I love Haru. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Um, but here, it's not cringy, and I think that it's because like. He's throwing Kyo's perception of him back in his face and saying, "Like, look how fucking ridiculous! Like, this is that you think I'm somehow better than you." Um, and I also think that, like, um, it's a subtle acknowledgement that, like, Yuki did also feel like he was superior to Kyo, and like, Yuki bought into the brainwashing with regards to his like inherent superiority over him just as much as Kyo did. Um, and I also think that like he's also saying like, you know, the, sh- the straw manning that you did of me. it's it's based in nothing. Like we yeah. are equals.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I really liked that detail.
0: Mm-hmm. Also being like, wow, you think I'm so cool, okay, then listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that too. Yeah. No, it's good. It's I love this fight. It's, it's so good. So good. It just feels good to watch. hmm You know, like, sometimes you have those really cathartic scenes,
1: and, like, finally, and you're like, oh, this really hit. Ugh. <laughs> he chases Keo out, and he's like, damn it, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, like, so overwhelmed. He's so, yeah.
0: He's, like and then he just like has to like sit down
1: he's, <laughs> he's,
0: he's like i'm just gonna sit
1: down right here where i am because holy shit um, yeah he's tired it's like
0: who that was that he was... like ex-
1: he like expressed more emotion in like two and a half minutes than he does in like an entire year yeah, yeah. god um so Shimazaki, you got thank you he was king. fucking
0: amazing thank you king I love that after the first time he really, really screams,
1: like, he steps away and he's, like, hoarse, he can, like, barely speak. Yeah. I also like that he's, like, gasping for breath, like, the entire time. Like, he can't even, like, his, like, mouth, like, can't even keep up with his brain. (sighs) Legendary. Legendary.
0: Um. And then we move into another fucking great scene. Oh, wait, we have babies. There's some little babies. I didn't. I, all I wrote was "Hero
1: and Kisa are sweet." <laughs> it's
0: yeah, like, it's just them being. It, it's literally just like a transitional, like yeah. It's like, oh look, they're like nervous because Hero's curse is broken and Kisa's hasn't, but they love each other anyway, and it's literally nothing. Um, Yay, and then they're like, mama. oh, weird, Keo. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> um,
1: ever go here. You know what? Someone pointed out to me that made me sad is that in a manga, this actually happens in the opposite order. Keo goes to his dad's. And then we see Hiro and Kisa, and the reason that matters is because Kyo comes out of his dad's house and starts puking in the bushes, because, <laughs> and then Hiro and Kisa are like, um, what the fuck? <laughs> and then Kisa gives Kyo a handkerchief. So that does happen Aww. in the manga. He does not throw up in the anime. Very sad. Sad. No, that that's good. That's a good detail. Sad. It is okay. right. It like shows like how like crazy anxious he is about this meeting. Yeah. As he should be i mean you know no it's a big deal for i mean it's a fucking
0: huge deal for him Um, yeah sad okay um but instead we get it as a weird transitional scene where they're just like oh what kyo is here um yeah and then we just go into like uh yeah we see his dad in his fucking record rooms fucking record record emporium (laughs) he Um, lives
1: in tower records yeah,
0: just him sorry,
1: and his dated reference? record collection, and, huh? I said sorry, was that a dated <laughs> reference?
0: Uh, yes, I believe so. Um. Yeah, his little day-drinking record dungeon. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's what I want in my house. A day-drinking record dungeon? I don't think so. Yes? What?! <laughs> I think you could have a record dungeon, but I don't think you should be day drinking in it. <laughs> Why not? I'm a grown up. <laughs> just because you're a grown up doesn't mean people should be day drinking. <laughs> if you're day drinking for no reason, no, bad hey, sign. Hey, sometimes
1: you never have a drink during the day.
0: I mean, I will, but it has to be like for, like a reason, like for Why? like a.
1: What if the reason is you want a drink? I don't know. It's just forbidden to me. It doesn't have to be, Amelia. You can have a drink if you want. I mean, obviously Kyo's dad is an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was yeah. the implication here. But what I'm saying is sometimes I just want a little drinky. <laughs> I guess that's fine. If it's and sometimes drink. that happens to be at, like, 1.30 in the afternoon. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> you sure <laughs> sort of can. Five.
0: I do not drink during the day unless it's, like, a whatever. Like a...
1: Like an event, you know? Mm. Um, anyway um bio dad is not drinking because he wants a little drinky no he's an alcoholic Um, he's an alcoholic which i i really like that detail like a lot um like i think that like kyo has been faced with the reality that his coping mechanism with yuki has done nothing but cause both of them pain and now he sees his father's choice of um to escape from reality which is like a million times more destructive um, mm. this whole scene is just Keo looking at what he could have turned into. Yep, yep. it's so good. It's so. But good. the alcoholism, like, the, I really like the alcoholism, just because it's it's like Yuki Yuki and Keo's thing is very. Um, I don't, I don't like. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that like alcoholism is a very common and realistic coping mechanism. Um, and I think that it brings the whole situation, like, back down to
0: reality. Yeah. I also think... See, this is just my personal headcanon about Kyo being an uptight little asshole that never drinks. But I Oh feel no, like, Kyo's straight edge. <laughs> but, like, it really fits if you consider, like, the fact that, like, he really does have anger issues. Like, you can see that, like, this is something that, like, he inherited from his father in many ways and like was modeled to him as a young child and maybe is somewhat of like a genetic predisposition uh and here you can see like what like in what ways is kyo really trying to distance himself from that and like what about what are the things about himself that scare him because they remind himself of his father
1: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah i mean it can also speak to like the fact that like they both have addictive personalities like kyo like kyo's whole thing with yuki like he absolutely cannot let it go even when yuki does try to approach him with compromise he absolutely can't let it go and like that to me like could be like a metaphor or a parallel for addiction or an addictive personality And, and, and it's
0: and it's i think honestly in some ways it's less like refusing to let something go and more of like Like, Kyo's... It's, like, more... has. I think it's more reflective of, like, Kyo's issues with, like, avoidance and how he doesn't want to face his problems and how, instead, he finds ways to distract himself. So instead of confronting his issues, he obsesses over beating Yuki or he goes to the mountain to train or, you know, he builds these, like, escapism mechanisms for himself. Um... So instead of having to really address why he's feeling certain ways, um, he can just build a sort of like give him something to do and focus on um, and the way his father is like uh, refusing to acknowledge his own actions um, and like his problems, he instead turns to blaming Keo and alcoholism,
1: yeah. Um. And also, speaking of avoidance and withdrawal, the detail that he is unemployed.
0: Yeah.
1: Instead, he's just living off that Soma money, baby.
0: (laughs) I love how the Somas were like, yeah, we'll pay off Kyo's piece of shit abusive father to just, I don't know, languish until he (laughs) dies.
1: (laughs) (sighs) That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's, again, it's just like, this scene is just like endless parallels to like what Kyo could have been, right? Like... He, like, instantly starts screaming at Kyo about his mother. She died, like, 12, 13 years ago. You know, yeah. like, he, like, he cannot let any of the past go. He's desperate to shift the blame off of himself. Um, and Kyo says, it's as if all those, it's as, it's as if all these emotions, like, hatred and anger and grief, got tossed into a pot and boiled like a stew. I gotta get my act together um like because he's looking at this future version of himself where he's angry alone obsessive consumed by the past and stunted by guilt and escapism and if he resigns himself to a life of isolation and keeps and keeps letting his self-hatred fester and keeps running away from his emotions then like this is what he's going to become yeah he does not want that
0: and the fact that he just had this confrontation with yuki that like forced him to realize how much of this... Like, because he already knew he was... Like, he had this realization that he was using Yuki as a scapegoat for his problems, that he created this, like, straw man out of him, um, to cope with his reality, um, the same way his father did to him, to cope with the death of his mother, um... And so, and then he, like, comes to this realization that he has this fight with Yuki, and he realizes that, like, truly, like, their entire, like, antagonism for all of these years has just been, like, so ill-informed and twisted. Um, It allows him to, I think, see a lot more clearly, like, what his father did to him, and how out of touch with reality his father's hatred of him is.
1: Yeah, Um, Definitely. Um, I really liked the line when, like, you know, he's screaming, like, it's your fault, whatever, like, you, like, you killed your mother and blah, blah, blah. And he says, you're right, it's my fault. I, I, like, I thought that was so powerful that he kind of, like, he's basically, like, robbing his, robbing his dad of the cope by indulging the delusion. And then he turns around and flaunts his personhood and autonomy. He's like, yeah, I did, but there's nothing that you can do about it. I'm gonna go live my life.
0: Yeah. And just, like, the idea—and it's, like, it's both a way to, like, exert control over the situation and, like, prove that he's his own person to his dad, but it's also him, I think, like, giving himself power over that guilt. Like, okay, like, even if my, like, deep-seated, like, belief— like, let's say that that's even true, that maybe it is my fault, and, like— because it's, like, it's the kind of—it happened when he was really young. Like, he doesn't know very much about it for sure— um and so like even if somehow it really was his fault like he just has to find a way to live with that regardless he doesn't have to find a way for it to not be his fault he just has to find a way to live with it so i think it's both him being like sure say let's say it is me but like that's still not going to change what i'm going to do with
1: my life i think that's to himself as much as it's to his father mm definitely Um, I also liked like we talked a lot last episode about Toru and her relationship to Kyoko and like her like independent personhood how she isn't Kyoko and she isn't just Kyoko's daughter like she is Toru and I kind of think that that was mirrored in this scene um, where Kyo it's clear to see to everyone that Kyo is very much his father's son they're very similar um but he's still his own person with his wants and needs and desires and he does actually have the free will to go after them um and i also think that like like when you're talking about like the cage like he's been so resigned to it this entire time but obviously he doesn't want to go um and he's finally acknowledging that he doesn't want to go and electing hope and resilience instead like and and I really like that they used like that moment like as he's standing up to it's, his father. It's
0: really good. Yeah, just it feels feels really great. I love that how as soon as Kyo um is like I'm so I'm gonna go live on the outside like there's someone I need to be with. His father is just like baffled. <laughs> and it, like his father just like. It's so clear how much his father doesn't understand that Kyo is a person. Right. He's just like he cannot conceptualize that Kyo has lived a whole life and has made relationships and have people who love him because he just seems to be like convinced that like everyone views Kyo as like the same horrible, unlovable monster he's made Kyo into in his head because in some ways it's like he's had he's been living in the soma cult his entire life and to some extent had those beliefs confirmed because he's really isolated himself from anyone who's like regularly interacting with kyo um outside of like kazuma who he seems to have some kind of relationship with some extremely tense fucking relationship like he still i think doesn't believe that kazuma genuinely loves him like he still thinks that kazuma is doing this for the money is doing this out of guilt um and the idea that Kyo is not fundamentally unlovable to him is like, he just doesn't understand. He, yeah. like, cannot conceptualize it. Um, yeah.
1: I also really liked BioDad's voice actor. He reminded a lot of his deliveries reminded me of the way that um, Uchida used to deliver Kyo's lines, like, at the very beginning when he was very yelly. It was very, mm-hmm. like, evocative of season one Kyo. Yeah. And then he says this thing where that makes Kyo realize that that his memories are um his memories and interpretation of events leading up to his mom's suicide were extremely clouded and unreliable
0: yeah I forget the exact line but he's he's like you know his dad gets more and more distressed and out of control and is like everything is your fault like it's like she birthed you or something like he says mm-hmm. something horrible like that like you two did this to me he starts referring to he starts lumping kyo's mom in with kyo and all of a sudden kyo was like did you say that to her <laughs> which i love yeah. i love this moment. I mean, yeah and it completely recontextualizes his childhood memories and forces him to be like oh right like i in my guilt and just like The trauma of seeing my mother commit suicide in front of me, like, I remembered events differently and kind of focused on different parts of my memory where, but now that I can see, like, the vitriol that you treated her with, I can understand that it was probably more to do with the fact that she was abused than the fact that I was the cat that caused her to commit suicide.
1: Yeah. Um, I also like I really like it cuz like the reason that Keio can even like recognize this is because he's like finally like experienced um unconditional love. Not yeah. just from Toru, but from like his friends as well. And like yeah. he knows how people in love should treat each other. And that is mm-hmm. not the way that his parents treated each other. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I really like that, like, when he asks about the abuse, um, he has the cat eyes, because I think that, like, Dad can't see, like, Dad never sees Keo as human, but he especially can't right now here because Keo is a witness to the abuse.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he might have a point. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: then he snaps and is like, you're trying to make this my fault. Blah, 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 and Kyo is, like, standing there being, like, oh, holy shit, and it also just re- completely recontextualizes her suicide for him, and, like, what they're, re- he's, like, which I think is, like, so monumentous to him as someone who's been, like, suicidal on and off for, like, huge portions of his life, um, who's, like, had pretty bad suicidal episodes, like, multiple times, um, and it's all of a sudden he's really able to see, like, both he's been, like, just challenged to really think about, like, like, force like, he, like, Yuki has, like, forced him to admit to himself on some level that, like, people really do love him and would be hurt if he was gone. Um, and then he, he has this realization that, like, maybe he does really mean something to the other people in his life, and then he's like, oh, like my mother's death really hurt me. And, like, losing her, like, really affected me and robbed me of a relationship that we could have formed had things gotten better. If she had stayed alive, maybe we could have found a way to get out of this really terrible situation. And, like, who knows what that would have done for me. And she could have had a chance to be happy. And we could have had a chance to really be good to each other that now we're never going to have because she died. And I think it really helps them realize, like... He has to live. It's so, like, this is him finally committing to really staying alive and really staying, like, also, like, in the world. Like, he's both, like, I have to stay alive and I have to stay, like, a part of this world with other people. Like, I can't go into the cage. I can't kill myself because who knows the kind of life I'm robbing from myself and the kind of relationships that I'm robbing from others.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I also like that. Um, also, in that like same moment, he says something like, um, uh, "He's like, were you lonely or were you suffering? I was too young to understand that. I won't claim I would have realized it as I got older. Like I'm so great, but which like I think like we talked about this like a few episodes ago, where like Kyo is really very unempathetic to his younger self. Um, but I think here like it's a moment of self forgiveness for the ignorance." that he couldn't have possibly avoided given his age like there's no way he could have understood what was going on around him as a as a five-year-old um and acknowledging the fact that like his mother's suicide is like the root of his magical thinking
0: yeah
1: yeah um but it, it does like feel like here that like that whole like speech where you're talking about how like he realizes, like, that he's sad that his mother is gone and they, they could have had a relationship that, like... Keo's finally allowing himself to mourn his mother.
0: Yeah. <sighs> I, love <him. sighs> I love him. I love him. The I love the scene.
1: I had the same exact notes about suicidal ideation and the room and whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Keo grabs his dad's wrist... And yeah. he starts freaking out. And I think this is where Kyo realizes that like he's a lost cause. There is nothing Kyo can do to repair this relationship.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, and also that like his dad really has no power over him. Like yeah. it's like it's like so pathetic. <laughs> yeah, it's this, very pathetic. <laughs> it's like this just this deeply embarrassing pathetic reaction to Kyo just <laughs> grabbing his wrist. And Kyo is, like, standing there, like, holding his dad's wrist, doing literally nothing that's, like, particularly threatening or scary, and his dad is, like, shitting his pants. And (laughs) And Kyo is a trained martial artist. Like, this is not Kyo at his most, like, this is not Kyo in his monster form. This is not Kyo being violent or actually demonstrating He's not even angry. He's not even angry, and his dad is, like, losing it. And he's like, oh, like, this man can't do shit to me. Like, I am the one with power in this relationship ultimately.
1: It reminds me of like when Yuki grabs his mom's shoulder and realizes how small she is. Yeah.
0: Um
1: except I think that like the the difference is that like with Kyo like he's like this relationship is is or is not repairable. Mm-hmm. But with Yuki, I kind of feel like it's more like about how he could if he decided to try and give his mother another chance but i also think that they are very very different situations yeah like yuki's mother was neglectful but um she was not a violent abuser like it's a different situation yeah i mean she hit him but it wasn't it doesn't (laughs) seem like it was like to the extent that like kyo's father was an abuser
0: yeah um i agree and then and then this is where kyo was like is just like oh yeah, I can just walk away. Like yeah. he just walks away. He's like, I can't. I'm not going to get anywhere with this, and he also can't do anything to me. And I think this is everything I have to say. So he leaves, and he presumably walks through the broken glass. <laughs> I, mean, I know. Gonna step over that, or I don't know. We're just
1: gonna in my ha- mind. He walk. He. I don't. I assume he somehow stepped around it. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah. I mean, I hope so because he doesn't not wear in socks like usual. Get blood in his sneakers because he wears yeah. sneakers without socks. <laughs> Keo's yeah. biggest character flaw is his athlete's foot. <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah. And then, Akito frees Keo. Yeah. That's like it's the best possible move because they're dismantling the institution that most represents the curse.
0: Is this an anime-only bit? I can't yeah. remember. I can't uh, remember. Like, oh, this whole scene with, like, Akito and the maid, I'm pretty sure the maid is anime-only for sure.
1: I think that the maid is anime-only, but I do remember a scene where, okay, what I think, what from what I'm, my memory, what happens in the manga is that this scene happens, and Akito is like, I'm destroying the room, and the maid says, I liked you better before. <laughs> 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 but I think that her monologue is anime-only. Yeah, um. But Akito,
0: yeah, decides to free Kyo and destroy the cat's room, which is just great. Love to and see also, it. just like, is showing that Akito has like changed, like very. It's like it's not just talk. Like Akito is like truly, in- like internalizing the like what they've done and what they're doing wrong, and like this system they're upholding, and they're like, like okay, this is over.
1: I love it because it's, like, Akito has realized that, like, like personally, like, they have wronged people. Like, we see them apologize to Kurono, now. Um, like, we know that, like, they, they are, like, being crushed under the guilt of, like, all of the things that they've done to the people they love. And that is a personal thing. But they also realize that the violence that they have been enacting on others was supported by this system. And that the only way for the violence, like... Akito stopping being violent is not enough to stop the violence because the violence is a product of of a system. It's systemic, and so like they're addressing that like this like this was a group effort, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that the only way to stop the violence is to dismantle the institution that upholds it.
0: Yeah, it's
1: great. Um, Akito communist confirmed. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, and then we get this monologue from The Maid, which I thought was a really lovely addition.
1: Yeah, me too. Where
0: she starts talking about how she doesn't know how to cope with this change, and how, like, these people who are young have, like, their whole life to, like, rebuild and, like, create a new life for themselves outside of the system they've grown up in, and, like, it's obviously gonna be fucking hard and horrible, but she has no idea how to do that. Like, she has just grown up in this world. She does not know. She's, like, invested her whole life in it. And now she's like, and now what? Now what do I do? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, like, I took note of a line. She says, I'm too old to change. And Akito says, then stay where you are as long as you want. But I'm going. Yeah. Which is very, like, like, I, I think that Akito, like, kind of rejects that the I'm too old to change, like, they're like, you can do whatever you want. I'm moving forward. And, like, I think it's very much, like, you have personal responsibility to yourself to make the decisions that, like, you think will benefit you the most. And, like, but I'm making the cognizant choice to move forward instead of victimizing myself.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like Akito very, very much up until this point was, like, As soon as they realized they had done wrong, their response was like, I'm going to stab people and go crazy because I am beyond salvation. Right. And so them being like, you know what, actually, you really have to confront the fact that if you're alive, you have capacity to change.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's your
1: responsibility
0: to decide what to do with that it's
1: good also i think that like i i know i say this like every time akito opens their mouth now but god i love the way the what sakamoto did with akito this season like i think that this scene um really hammered home that like akito has ditched the persona like their their the pitch that sakamoto has been delivering their lines um, and this monologue in particular. I mean, Akito sounds like a different person, you know? Yeah. But it's great. It works so well. It works
0: super well. Super well. Because it's still very much like, it just sounds like, like, it sounds like Akito used to be pushing their voice down. And right. Like this is their natural speaking voice, you know? It's great.
1: Yeah. Um, I have a line about, Yuki has a line
0: yuki's sitting in his little hall
1: yeah he says i wish i could have lived my life yeah. without any missteps along the way but that's not yeah. humanely possible which i like as a fu- full circle to the impossible standard that yuki used to hold himself up to um and acknowledging that that standard is yeah. he can't reach it there's no way no like no one's perfect at including him
0: yeah it's I me, mean, like i wish i had done a different thing with kyo and we had had a different relationship but I also can't just carry that guilt with me. Like, it, you know, I have to admit yeah. that we were, like, kids in a horrible situation, horrible environment with, ex, like, other adults pushing us to treat each other this way. So, like, I both have to take responsibility for the way I treated Kyo and also be forgiving and kind to myself. Yeah. He's good.
1: Um... And- and then we get Kyo deciding to go to Toru.
0: Yeah.
1: Which I really like.
0: Little man shot. You see his little uplifted chin. A little like, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's a man now.
1: <laughs> he's a man on a mission. Look at him. Mission face. <laughs> and then my next note just says Yuki, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yuchi lost. Uh, Yuchi-, Yuchi lost. Yuchi flop era. God, the reboot said fuck Yuchi, right? The reboot said fuck Yuchi, and it's so funny. I'm living for it. It's like, oh my god, they did them so dirty so funny and it's so funny i was laughing about it for like straight up like an entire hour after i watched the episode because i thought it was so fucking funny he answers the phone and he is like manic <laughs> and, and she's his like a gay little run down the stairs just, i literally literally my mind gay little fucking run i i just really like okay so he thinks about telling machi about the curse oh wait is it a spoiler that that's what he's going to do kind of okay let me backtrack i don't know how to talk about this without do
0: we just do we just do a spoilers yeah let's just do
1: a spoiler zone or just put the spoiler in the timestamp so a few episodes ago we get yuki considering telling maji about the curse completely unsubstantiated they've had like one real moment of connection and it was from machi not yuki it was it was machi's thing um and then he gets this call and and like just spontaneously decides that he's gonna tell her right now because he's like so emotional like um first of all like i think that's pretty out of character for yuki to be honest like yuki is not a spontaneous person like this is something that he should be like agonizing over second of all why have this thing in the beginning of the episode that makes a callback to how close yuki is to kakeru and how he tells kakeru things that he doesn't tell anyone and then do it with machi at the end (laughs) Oh. My face is like beet red right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like really. It's just I just the just... attempt like that they are paralleling Kyoru to Yuji. That like Kyo is going to Toru to tell him, to tell her how much he loves him, and Yuki is presumably going to do the same, just highlights how bad Yuchi is. Because Kyoru is, like, truly one of the best romances ever written, and Yuchi is just, like, two gay people. <laughs> it really is! They said, let's see how
0: compet we can make this relationship scene and they dialed it all the way up like it was already pretty dialed up in the manga and then they said okay let's really enhance how rushed and like how much this relationship doesn't make any sense and how it's just like it's just Machi being like this is the first guy that's not my brother who's ever been nice to me and Yuki being like this is the first girl that's not Toru that I've ever really like connected with in any way and I don't know why not i don't know like i failed
1: the first time let's try it again
0: yeah
1: oh it's like and and the other thing is like because they cut so many of yuki and machi's scenes together they like don't even have like a rapport really like they barely really barely know each other because like i do think like in the manga like i think that yuki and machi have a very sweet and very cute relationship like i do think that like Yuki and Machi have a very genuine connection, but I, it's just not present in the anime at all because they cut all of their development. And, and I'm actually shocked that they cut, like, a, there are a couple of scenes that I'm very shocked that they cut because I thought that they were, like, really important to making the romance make sense, but I guess they were just like, this romance doesn't need to make sense, but also, like, we spent all of season two paralleling Yukaru to Kioru <laughs> to make it make even less sense. Yeah (laughs) Also Takaya, what the fuck?
0: Oh my god.
1: Yeah. I it just it sucks for Machi. It does. More than anything. Like Machi's arc was already nerfed by the romance, but like the fact that like she just I we barely know anything about her. We know like the bare minimum. And the bare minimum is why she's similar to Yuki.
0: Yep.
1: Where is Mogeta? Where is Mogeta?
0: Where? (laughs) Where Show me Mogeta.
1: Show me Mogeta. (laughs) God.
0: And it's like so much of her is like like, insecure about not having a personality and being boring. And then they (laughs) cut like all the scenes that give her a personality. I know, because that's when
1: she starts like, because like, spoilers for the manga, but like Yuki and Machi's thing is like gift giving. Mm -hmm. They like to give each other gifts. It's very cute. And the way that Machi, like, reacts to the gifts is, like, kind of the thing that, like, I think that Yuki really likes about her is, like, that she does get really excited, but in, like, in a very offbeat kind of way. We Mm -hmm. never see that from Machi.
0: No. It is, they really, poor one not from Machi, just done so fucking dirty. I'm so
1: sorry, Queen. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for Machi, because, Ma- like, the the thing about Yuji is I don't think it's a good romance, really, but I think they're cute, and I think they really get along.
1: Yeah, I, I think that it's a really nice relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I think they should break up, but like I understand. But like, like in the manga, I can like kind of buy what's happening in a way that this just doesn't make any sense. Like in the manga, it's like two people who really get along and are kind of like maybe we should date. And
1: I like who hasn't dated their male best friend in high school when you're denying <laughs> your sexuality? I know I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me There's too, There's just yeah. something about, like, a guy being nice to you for the first time, and you're like, maybe I can be straight. Yeah, <laughs> so true. So true.
0: Um, male attention in a patriarchal society is a hell of a drug.
1: Especially um, when you're, like, very alienated by your peers, the way that Manchi is. and the way that a lot of gay people are. Yeah, no. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, it reads very much as a very
1: realistic
0: yeah like relationship where you don't really realize you're gay or trying not to be gay relationship where it's like based in like a genuine good connection and friendship but like just the emotions have been kind of misplaced to try and get something out of yourself that's not there
1: it reads as a very realistic mistake
0: yeah um
1: (laughs) something they will laugh about
0: in but this movies. doesn't even read as that this is just no. like what the
1: fuck is this happening. this reads as bad writing yeah uh, yeah it's pretty sad but it did make me laugh very very hard it did hard. make me laugh
0: his gay, <laughs> his little, gay run little run his gay so little run funny. why
1: did they have to animate his run so gay his like <laughs> a little like arms are swinging like what are you doing wait, he's running down the fucking stairs i can't so funny
0: um
1: okay and then we get some like actually good romance yeah yeah the shots the the adapted mega panels of kyo and toru seeing each other were gorgeous
0: very nice very pretty very good i love kyo's like internal monologue where he's like oh god have i fucked up Am I? what is even happening and he's just like second guessing himself and then like the second he sees toru he's like oh wait obviously i'm in love with her um obviously i'm an idiot um And I like that we swap out Hana and Uo barring Kyo's entry from the hotel room room, to just them being like, Toru sees Kyo and we get these beautiful sort of shots and then she fucking books it. She bolts. Just (laughs) bolts. She run in. Just away she goes and we get this really funny shot of like, all of them being like, yup. And then uh, Hana and Uo are just like, I have to laugh. <laughs> like that was good. And that's like them realistically yeah. on Kyo for being a dick. Like this is how they would actually act instead of being like, you can't see her, just being like, You fucked up, didn't you, huh? <laughs> just, just
1: like, I have to laugh.
0: Yeah. Uh so I I'm just gonna laugh until my stomach hurts. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, I love that Hana's randomly holding a rabbit plush that presumably Momiji gave Toru and she's, like, helping her carry her things from the room. It's cute.
1: So cute. Um,
0: and then I love Kyo being like, I'm faster than you are! Yeah! <laughs> just taking off! And Hana and Iwo being like, he's so stupid,
1: but he is cute. I, they're, like, they're, like, gaily posing with each other, like, uh, yeah. he's so dumb. Young love. <laughs> Um, and I love I love I mean,
0: yeah, uh E D are be hated, but I do think it was Fuck so it, funny ED. that Kyo is already just like fussing over Tori. as it is he's like chasing cute. her down. He's like, You just got out of the hospital, stop running, you're gonna hurt yourself. Like I thought that was so cute. I was it's like, very like Aw. Like he's even in these crazy intense moments, he's still Kyo and he's still like, Stop running! Yeah you just got out of the hospital. Like he's oh
1: he's just a fussy little man
0: he's a fussy little man
1: and i do like that like i liked that a lot because i like that they kind of like ended the episode on like a light note Mm -hmm. given how like dense this fucking episode was yeah 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 wow what an
0: episode
1: that was very good it was was a good episode (sighs) wow are we (laughs) done yeah <laughs> all right. All right. thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you want to check us out, we're on Twitter and Tumblr at Soma So Good. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.